in chapter 3, beginning with verse number 1. The Bible says, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you, to me uh, indeed, is not grievous, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs. And just understand that doesn't mean dog as in four-legged animal. It means false teachers is what that means. It says, Beware of evil workers. Beware of the concision. For we are the circumcision which worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin and Hebrew of the Hebrews as touching the law, a Pharisee concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. That's Paul's testimony, by the way, in the flesh. Verse 7, But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I am suffered the loss of all things, and to count them but dung that I may win Christ, and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, uh, the righteousness which is of God by faith, verse 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Verse 15, let us therefore as many as be perfect, and that word means mature, it's be thus minded. And if anything ye shall be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us mind the same thing. Let's pray. Father, I come to you today, and Lord, I, I thank you for the privilege of, of partaking in the Lord's Supper, Lord, as a congregation, as a child of God. What a blessing it is to, to come together as, as, a, as a body of believers and to lift up Christ. Now, Lord, I pray that in the minutes ahead, that as we turn our attention to your word, Lord, that um, the truth that you have prepared for us today would, would touch our hearts, and Lord, that it would be something that we can go home with and that we can apply to our life. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would be very evident and real today. I ask that if there is a, a person or, or persons in this room who's without uh, a Savior, that today would be the day of their salvation. And Father, I pray for those that are yours, that claim the name of Jesus Christ, that our hearts and our lives would be changed, Lord, to be more useful for you. I ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Philippians is a beautiful book. It's a powerful book. In this passage, we see so much, and, and I could preach on this passage for a month, and I'll not do so. Uh, I don't think you'd appreciate it, especially if I just kept you here. But um, what I do want to get at today is I want us to, to understand that we are to make an impact in, in our lives and in the lives of those around us. 
get to that in a moment. Um, now that the end of the world has passed, amen, we made it out of 2012. I was talking, the, the missionary that we had last Sunday night, Brother Ferguson, his, his ministry was very, in Mexico was very close to Central America, which was where the ancient Mayans were. And he said it's fairly entertaining. He said the Mayans never predicted the end of the world on December 21st, 2012. He said they had just made a calendar, and he said that just happened to be when they ran out. But he said there was no ancient prediction, and he said it was a complete uh, media circus, which is what most of our news seems to be today. The media takes something with it and runs with it. Doesn't really matter if it's true or not. It's just something that makes headlines and makes people a little nervous, but it was somewhat entertaining. But now that we've gotten past the end of the world and we're preparing for the new year ahead, it's time to put some goals out in front of us to attain to. And you'll see that word used multiple times by Paul in this passage. Now, goals are a thing that are meant to be obtained, and once they're obtained, we are to set new goals. But I do want to make this very clear, and I want to clarify this. A goal is never a cause. Our cause this morning is always the same, and that cause is Jesus Christ. And you see that in this passage. Paul, in verses number 8, 9, and 10, he says, everything I gained, he said, I counted it as dung. He said, it was lost for Christ that I may win him. He said, my desire is to please Christ. And this morning, I desperately want you to understand, that is always our cause. That is a cause that you can pursue for all of your life. And I please understand the, the magnitude of that statement. There are many goals that you and I have set in our lives that we have reached, yes? Graduating from high school, how many of you have obtained that goal? Now, if that was your cause, that was a really pathetic. Only about half of you graduated from high school. Let's try it again. How many of you have graduated from high school? Okay, how many wish you had? Mike, put that hand up. All right, now we got it. All right, now what I want you to understand here, though, is if that was your cause for life, your life has pretty much ceased to have meaning. Yes? And so our cause is always Christ. Now, I do think, though, as we have a great cause in front of us, it is wise to set goals as almost stair steps so we can measure progress in our lives. That's what a high school diploma was. It measured progress. Some of you graduated from college. That measured progress. Some of you went even further than that. I don't know why, but you did. And you achieved another goal. But if that was your cause in life, you are a very frustrated person today because you really have no reason to live. Now, my cause, and I pray that your cause as a child of God is to please Christ or to achieve Christ. I have several things that I've written down as goals for this body of Christ for 2013. But before we get there, I do want to say just a bit more about our cause. This year, as well as every year and every day of every year, I desire to make an impact for Christ. You see, I want my life to matter. Is there anybody in this room, and I mean this, that doesn't want their life to mean something? I don't know. It's very possible. There are those that seem to just think that, that life is just, just a big party and it doesn't matter. And, but I don't, I don't really believe that even when they get alone and they get sober and they get dried out, I really don't believe that they don't necessarily care if their life makes an impact or not. I believe they do. You see, I want my life to matter, but I don't just want it to matter for today. Now, number one, I want my life to matter for many generations to come on this earth. I pray that my life influences my children 
And I pray that my life influences my grandchildren. I pray that my life influences those around me. That's, I desire that. But I also desire to make an impact for eternity and in the next life. You see, I want my life to impact my culture in my world. Now, I'll be honest with you. I don't care if my name is necessarily known by thousands or even hundreds, but I desperately want to make an impact with my life. I was reading this week and getting prepared for this, and I thought I'd just give you a few things. I'm going to give you this man's life, and I think by the end of it, you'll know who he is. But he started out as a farm boy. During the years preceding the Great Depression, his father saw that they could not make money being a, a, a farmer. And so he switched over to, to uh, uh, repossessing farms is basically what he did, working for banks. But this boy was a farm boy, started out as that. In junior high, he became a paper boy. After he graduated from high school, he became a J.C. Penney employee. I know some of you ladies just said, praise the Lord. After a couple years at J.C. Penney, training to be uh, administration, he joined the military, was drafted in. After he got out of the military, he bought and ran a small Ben Franklin store. How many remember Ben Franklin's? We used to have one right here in Prairie. Loved it, man. I would go there, and that's where you get the coolest toys in the world. After several years of that, he, he opened a second variety store, not by the name of Ben Franklin, but, but opened a second variety store, and I think it was named the Eagle. After a couple years of success, he was forced out by his landlord who wanted to take the business over and give it to his own son. This man then went to Bentonville, Arkansas, and opened what is referred to or what was called a five-and-dime variety store. After 10 more years, and after he and his brother together had bought 15 more stores, most of them being Ben Franklin, in 1962, he opened what we know now as the first Walmart. 20 years later, and until his death in 1992, from 1982 to 1992, he was proclaimed to be the richest man in the world. Now, whether you like it or not, that man made an impact. Now, I'm not saying everybody's impact is positive, all right? Please understand that. We can make a very negative impact. Now, my desire is to make a positive impact. But this man started as a little nobody with no money, with no resources, and somehow became the wealthiest man in the world. He made an impact, didn't he? Let me give you another one. This man was born in the tragic times. He was let go by his parents for his own survival. He grew up in what would, we would call a foster home. He dealt with a speech impediment all of his life. He committed a serious crime as a young man. He went into a 40-year exile. He tended flocks in the desert for his father-in-law. He was scared of responsibility. And then he led a nation to liberty and freedom and in my opinion, became the greatest leader the world has ever known. That's Moses. Moses made an impact with his life. You see, what I want you to understand is so many people today, they say, well, I want to make an impact. Well, good. Don't we all? But folks, i got to be honest with you. So many of us, our desire is just to make people notice us and not truly make an impact. If you look at our modern entertainment culture, it's all on people making an impact, and we refer to it as their 15 minutes 
of fame. Has anybody heard of the reality TV shows that dwarf our, our programming? They're on everywhere. Can, can, how many people in this room can tell me the man who won the, the Survivor show the first year? How many of you? Just raise your hand if you can tell me his name. We got one. 15 minutes of fame. What kind of impact did he make? Very little. Who, who, I mean, and we could go through this, and I don't want to take the time, but who can tell me the first winner of the American Idol? How many of you? Just raise your hand. We got one. We got two, three, four. Very few. Their impact was very limited. And we say, oh, but at the time they were incredible, but their impact was so short-lived. They were like a shooting star in the sky that for a moment was very bright, but then ceased to make a difference. I don't want to just make a difference for a moment. I want to impact my culture. I want to impact those around me, and I want to impact them for the duration of their lives. That's my desire, and then I want to make an impact in eternity. With that being said, I want to say this, number one, make an impact in your life for Christ. Make an impact in your life for Christ. The problem with many of us is we just want to make an impact. I don't want to make an impact. I want to make an impact in my life for Christ. And I'm going to tell you this right now. You are never going to impact anybody else until you can impact your own life. And I mean this. I grow weary today of people saying, follow me, and I don't want to follow them because they don't even follow them. I'm sorry, I'm not going to chase you, and I'm not going to pursue you and follow after you if you don't even believe what you're saying. Yes? Does anybody in this room care to try that? I'm sorry, I don't. If I was a running back on a football team, and the, the offensive lineman said, we're not blocking for you, I'd say, I don't want the ball. I'm sorry, but if you don't believe in doing your job, my job following you is going to be a disaster. Yes? I'm not talking about Bears fans right now, okay? So just <laughs> let it go. But make an impact in your life for Christ. And I, I put a word here, and I think if you, if you take notes, I want you to write this down. If you don't take notes, I want you to remember it. And it's the word stability. I want to make an impact in my life for Christ, and the best way to do that is by stability. Do you know that the most fruitful members of this church are the most stable people? Now, I'm not saying that things do not happen to them in their life. I'm not saying that they have an easy life or that God blesses them more than others. What I am saying is that no matter what, they know in whom they have believed and are persuaded that he is able to keep with that, that which they have committed unto him against that day. As Apostle Paul said in 2 Timothy in chapter 1. Their lives are stable. Paul's life outwardly was a life of turmoil. But Paul's life inwardly was one of peace and comfort. Paul was the one, while the ship was about to be wrecked, said, Be of good cheer. I'm not worried. You shouldn't be either. You see, this was a man that his life was, was, was full of tumult, was full of disaster. But inwardly, he was stable. Now, that's a guy you like to be around. You know, this year, and i got to share this with you, well, a few, many of our folks have gone through some trying times, but Brother Faulkner, I, I, and Jim, is Jim in here? Jim or Marilyn, I think they're both downstairs in junior church. But Jim Faulkner, and I, I want to say it was early this spring, Jim Faulkner came into church, and, and Jim helps Brother Matt pick up people and young people in Marquette, McGregor, and a few in Prairie du Chien area. And, and they bring them to church, and they get here always about five minutes late, it seems like. But they got here, and Brother Jim hopped out of his passenger seat, as he always does. Brother Matt drives. 
And he opened the side door, and he let the people out. And I walked up and said, Jim, how you doing this morning? He smelled like smoke. Now, not cigarette smoke, praise God, but he smelled like, like smoke from a fire. He said, I'm doing fine. I said, Jim, why do you smell like smoke? Did you stay at the cabin last night? Brother Jim has got a little cabin out, out in the woods and beautiful spot. No, he didn't. No, Jim said he, said, he said the neighbor's garage burned down and my garage burned this morning. Now, I'm sorry. Can I tell you what most people would have done? They would have taken a day off. Oh, I just can't go to church. It's just it's terrible. I mean, uh, 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 well, my things have burned. Right? I mean, I lost that sled that's been in the attic of the garage for 70 years, and it was a family heirloom. Right? That's what... It's just can't, I can't do this. I can't go to church today. I'm just too upset. Right. Am I fairly accurate? I mean, let's face it. And here Jim is, and there Marilyn comes in, and she's playing for junior church like nothing happened. I went over to Jim's house after the service, and his garage, the fireman had busted out the windows, his, his roof, and most of you saw it, his roof had been scorched by the flames from the neighbor's fire that burnt that garage to the ground, and Jim's garage was totaled. He lost tons of things that he kept in there, and Jim kept a lot of things, amen? He's a junk collector. Kept a lot of, but, but all of it was ruined, man. It was destroyed. I went to the back of his house, and the back of his house, he had vinyl siding on it. The back of his house melted. Seriously. I mean, it just melted. Jim was sitting out there with a, with a hose and with one of those little sprayers just spraying at it. Not doing anything. I mean, this meant, but, but his life, is stable. You see, he wasn't concerned. It was just things that went up in the smoke. And I got to be honest, for most of us in this room today, we would have taken that day off of church. We'd have taken the next day off of work. We'd have said, I just can't. I can't, I can't even think. I don't even know what to do. Well, I'm going to tell you something. Jim and Marilyn have made an impact in their life for Christ. And so when a little fire happened, They were stable. They were doing what they did every Sunday morning. What happened? Well, see, I'm not saying that that people that, I'm not saying that they're not nervous. I'm not saying they don't get rattled. I'm not saying they don't get scared. I'm not saying they're a super Christian. But when they go to set their feet down, they have built their life on the rock, and their anchor is stable. Do you understand that? You see, too many people, they have nothing to put their foot down because everything that their life is to them is found in those stupid possessions that are sitting in the garage that, in all fairness, most of us haven't looked at in months and, in some of our cases, years. But those things that become our life and what I want to get, to get you to grab hold of today is we need to make an impact in our life today for Christ. You see, these people that are stable, they're not drifting. They're not being tossed about by the storms of life, but are sitting safely in the cleft of the rock with Christ. You see, their lives are secure and their lives are stable. Now, over the course of the next couple of minutes, I'm just going to give you a few very brief things on how to get stable in your life. I mean this. We have a society that has no stability. None. 
I mean, we, 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 you, you, just, you just turn on the television, you just pick up a newspaper, and people are this way and that way, and oh, the world's going to end, the fiscal cliff, this, that, that, that. I mean, it's just, it's just one thing after another, the end of the world, the end of life as we know it, the end of this, the end of that, the, and it's just kind of like, come on, folks. I mean, really, that is what our world is, but that is not what Christians are to be. I'm going to tell you, if you were worried about the fiscal cliff, you have issues. Oh, it was serious. They do it every year. They just make a new name for it. Have you not paid attention? Oh, but this one was serious. I'm guessing the media will say the next one is too. Right? And folks, our, our, our world thrives on instability. The Christian is supposed to be stable because we have a rock. How to get stable, number one, and most importantly, you need to trust Christ personally. If you're in this room today and you're without a Savior, get a Savior. If you're in this room today and you've never come to a place in your life where you understand that you are a sinner, that your sin condemns you to hell, and your sin does condemn you to hell, get weary of people saying, well, I'm not that bad. Brother, you don't have to be that bad. You just have to have one sin. And we all got more than one, don't we not? I mean, ask your spouse, ask your child, ask your friend. We can, I mean, if you've been sitting in here for about 45 minutes, I promise you the person that's sitting next to you that doesn't know you from Adam can probably tell me something you did wrong. But my friend, you need to come to a place in your life, not where you are just a sinner and you understand the price on sin is terrible, awful, catastrophic, lake of fire forever. But we realize that Jesus Christ paid the penalty. He sacrificed his body. He sacrificed, shed his own blood so you could be born again. And my friend, you yourself personally have to come to a place where as we talked last week, you need to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and you need to put your faith in him personally. And God says that he'll grant to you eternal life. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. And if you're sitting here this morning, you say, well, well, you know, that sounds good. And, you know, I just, that's your opinion. That's not my opinion. That's God's word. God said, you must be, Jesus said, ye must be born again. He said, you must trust myself. And that ticked people off then as it ticks people off now. They say, well, that's just, that's just, that's just your brand of Christianity. No, that's biblical truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus was very plain. He made the way of salvation very, very open and honest. Was many people today, though, do not want to receive that. And my friend, if you are one of those people that has not yet received Christ, make today the day of your salvation. Don't say, well, I'll take care of that later. Brother, today is the day of salvation. Now is the time. Don't you wait for later, because later may never come. I'm not saying the end of the world is happening this year, amen? I'm just saying you don't know what tomorrow holds. And you ought not to boast yourself of it. But after you've trusted Christ, and I believe many of you in this auditorium have, you need to develop a personal walk with God. And can I, can I explain to you what this is? A personal walk with God is feeding yourself. Do you know what happens to me physically when I don't eat? My stomach makes noises, yes. But I'm going to get sick after a while, am I not? Now, i got some fat reserves here, so I'll last a good while longer than some of you. But, but I'm going to tell you something right now. If I don't eat physically, I'm going to get sick. And if I don't eat after that, I'm probably going to die, am I not? 
That's what happens. And I'm going to tell you something spiritually here today. We as Christians who claim the name of Christ need to start feeding ourselves. All right, we got to come to a place where we're taking, and let me tell you, how do you feed yourself physically? With a fork and a spoon and a big plate of food, amen? Well, God gave us something to feed ourselves. He calls it the Word of God. Okay, that is God's manna from above for the spiritual soul. And my friend today, can I ask you, are you getting into your Bible? We, we, we don't, we, oh, this is, this is what they preach down in junior church. Adults, is this what we're doing in our lives? Well, this is so, uh, give me something that will inspire me. That book will inspire you. Give me something that will help me. That book will help you. Give me something that will change my life and make me a better husband and make me a better father and make me a better person. That book will help you do all of that. But, brother, I'm going to tell you something. You have to feed yourself. I'm sorry. I'm only one man. I cannot come to your house every day and spoon feed you. Well, Jordan, maybe. But I can't, speed, I can't spoon feed you. I can't do that. By the way, that's not my job. Now, I'm the disciple, and I'm going to help those that need help. But i got to tell you, we got a lot of Christians who've been saved for 5, 10 years who are not reading their Bible on a daily basis. And I'm going to tell you something. You try that physically, you're going to cheat in the middle of the night. I know you. You, you say, oh, I fasted all day. Yeah, but you ate all night. I know you better than that. I haven't eaten since 9.30 this morning. I'm starving. Yeah, we like to eat physically, don't we? The American public is known for that. We're obese. I love that. America is obese. Of course they are. Have you, have you been to McDonald's lately? You can order anything you want as long as you have a little plastic card that swipes. It's fantastic. You can eat and eat and eat. And, and physically, our bodies crave that. Well, spiritually, our body is craving any everlasting, eternal, spiritual food. And that food is the Word of God. Are you reading your Bible, Christian? Hey, I want to make an impact in my own life for Christ. Am I reading my Bible? Now, folks, we could have a lot of fun, and I could ask it, and I know you'd lie. How many of us read our Bible every day? Yes? How many fed yourself yesterday? I don't eat breakfast. Did you eat lunch? Did you eat supper? Did you eat a midnight snack? Yes, we did. Yes, we did. Yes, we did. Well, feed yourself spiritually. Feed yourself spiritually. And I, I'll say this as, long, as well, my friend, you got to pray. you got to pray. God gave those two things to us to feed ourselves spiritually. I feed my soul and I feed my spirit. When I get into God's Bible and I read the truths, the eternal everlasting truths that he has for my life, and then I bow my knee or I bow my head and I pray, and I just don't pray, you know, over the teeth, over the gums, watch out stomach, here it comes. I pray for the things that God has for me in my life, and I ask him for his help, and I ask him for his guidance, and I ask him for those in my life, and I ask him for those that I love, and I ask him for those that are sick, and I pray to him, and my friend, that feeds my spirit spiritual soul. Now I want to say something here, and it probably offends some of you, but feeding your spiritual soul is not Christian radio or Christian TV. We got a good little Christian radio station here in town. That 89.5 is pretty solid on most things. But I'm going to tell you, that don't count. That don't count. All that means is somebody's bottle feeding you. You go to the Bible, and you have the Holy Spirit that's in you, indwelling in you, Christian, feed you with this book. And then you cry out to God in prayer. And I said how to get stable. Number one, trust Christ personally. Number two, develop a personal walk 
with the Lord. Number three, be faithful to church. Be faithful to church. You say, Pastor, I know all these things. Folks, I know we know all these things. We don't do all these things. That's why I have to remind us. Be faithful to church. Now, we have Sunday morning church, amen, and that's where we all are right now. And we watch the pastor make a spectacle of himself. Do we not? His job is to preach the word. That's what I'm trying to do. But let me tell you what else we have. We have this thing called Sunday school. That's just for kids. No, we actually have two adult classes. There's one that meets upstairs in the auditorium. There's another one that meets downstairs in the fellowship hall. And they have adult male teachers. And they teach adults the Bible. Has anybody in here ever had a question about the word of God? The rest of you are intelligent beyond all imagination. <laughs> or you've never read it. Folks, get to church. And then we have this thing called Sunday night church. And we have this thing called Wednesday night Bible study and prayer meeting. And we have all these things going on throughout the week that are just for the church body. And for others, we have other youth things and we have reformers. We have all sorts of things going on. But I'm going to ask you, Christian, are you getting into church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night? And I look at this and I wonder, well, people say, well, I got to church once this week. Yeah. What about the other times? You see, when we come to church, it's kind of like sitting at the dinner table with everybody. That's what it's like. You find that here in Philippians 3 and verses 15 and 16. There's a unity that comes. Well, when we sit at the dinner table with everybody, and let, let me tell you, one of the breakdowns in the traditional home is, is, is the lack of people getting together, sitting down at dinner time and talking. Is it not? I mean, daddy comes home and he eats alone, mama eats alone on the run, and the kids just eat by themselves in their room, whether they're on, uh, playing the video game or doing their little Twitter deal. And, 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 and folks, it's a breakdown in the American home. It is. I mean, we, we are all, and sometimes we're all home together for dinner time, but we ain't eating at the same table. Well, I'm going to tell you something. In Christianity, we have a problem today. That not, not everybody's eating at the same table. Well, well you know, and, and this, this, this is my favorite excuse. I can't be there for all of them. Well, then be there for the ones that you possibly can be. Well, you don't understand. If I try to do that, folks, try to do that. Stop giving excuses. Well, I don't like to stay up late. You're going to watch the ball game on TV tonight, guys, and I know that. Me? Yeah, you. I won't make you raise your hands. How many stayed up till I think it was 10.05 last night when the Packer-Viking game ended? I made it. And I'm doing just fine today. And some of you say, we don't watch TV at night. Hogwash. I know better than that. You watch the game or you listen to it. I mean, we, 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 we do things. We say, well, well, it's just too big of a sacrifice. It's not a sacrifice to get into God's house when the doors are open. In fact, Hebrews in 10.25 says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. And I want to know today, why, why aren't we? All getting along. Why aren't we all on the same page? Brother, I'm going to tell you one reason. is because we're not in church together. Be faithful to church. Number four, get involved in your local church. We have soul winning programs. We have visitation programs. We have outreach programs. We, we believe in baptizing the, the people of trusted Christ. We believe in discipling those that have trusted Christ. We have work days. We have setup days. We have cleanup days. We have all sorts of things going on. And can I just challenge you to get involved? See, what I'm trying to get you to do here, and remember, is I want you to be stable. I want you to make an impact in your life 
for Christ. And I know every, you say, well, well, Pastor, I can't do everything, but I know this, you can do something. I know everybody can't do everything. I can't. I cannot. I'm flesh and blood. I'm human. I have 24 hours in a day. I can only be in one place at a time. I get that. But brother, i got to tell you something right now. A lot of us are not attempting to please God and to make an impact in our own lives for Christ. Why in the world would the world look at us and say, I want what you have when we have no stability? I want the world to look at me and say, hey, your garage burned to the ground and you were in church an hour and a half later. What is wrong with you? It's just a garage. It's just some siding on the house. It's not a big deal. It's fine. Number five, don't quit what you have begun by faith. Don't quit what you have begun by faith. Now, I said, number one, trust Christ personally. Number two, develop a personal walk with God. Read your Bible. Pray. Number three, be faithful to church. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Number four, get involved in church. But number five, don't quit what you began by faith. If this is where God wanted you yesterday, I'm pretty sure this is where you should be today. And if this is where God wants you today, I'm pretty sure this is where he'll want you tomorrow. I don't pretend to know God's perfect will for everybody's life in here. I do know this. A lot of people say, oh, this is what God wants me to do. And two weeks later, they've completely changed their mind. What happened? Did God change his? No, no, no. We changed ours. Don't you quit what you began in faith. You see, too many people today are not making an impact simply for one reason. And I believe it is because they have not figured out where to begin. My friend, it begins with you and Christ impacting your life. Once you have that stability, the world cannot shake you. But you, my friend, can shake the world. In the book of Acts, the disciples, the followers of Jesus Christ, were accused of turning the world upside down. Can I tell you where it all began? When those men and those women got alone with God. And when he impacted their life. And they said, you can beat us. You can try us, you can mock us, you can scourge us, you can hate us, you can kill us, you can take everything we hold dear, you can, you can destroy my life, you can destroy my possessions, you can do anything you want and it will not change my mind. And the world says, I don't understand. Because I'd sell out for a nickel. I'd sell out for 15 minutes of popularity. I'd sell out for just a little more. I'd sell out for a promotion and you won't budge when you're being mocked and you're being hurt. (sighs) Don't understand you. And they walk away and their world is turned upside down. Everything they thought was important, you just looked them in the eye and said, none of it matters. Christ alone. And my friend, I want us today to make an impact, but it begins with you and I. It begins with you and I, and I got a mirror in the back room, and I'm not going to take the time to bring it out, but it takes you looking into that mirror and saying, Christ, what do I need to do 
to get stable in my life. Say, well, I know the answer. Then folks, do it. Then do it. Just imagine what this church could do in our community if Christ made an impact in our lives. This community would be turned on its head because they'd say there's a people out on the edge of town, north side of the prairie, who aren't shaken. They aren't shaken by the financial problems. They're not shaken by political problems. They're not shaken by the economic issues. They're, not sha- they're, not, they're just not shaken. They're stable. And my friend, it begins when Christ makes an impact on your life. Let's go ahead and stand to our feet. My friend, today, if you're sitting out here and you've never come to that place in your, in your life where you've accepted Christ, what are you waiting on? You say, I'm embarrassed. Don't, don't be embarrassed. Nobody here is going to look at you any differently. In fact, they're going to praise God that you did what you did. Let Christ become your Savior. And Christian, if you're here today, and you claim the name of Jesus, then what kind of impact has he made in your life? Because if he hasn't made much of an impact, why would you influence anybody else? All today, could we change our culture and our society one person at a time? But it all begins with my life. The Apostle Paul said, I count it all but loss that I may win Christ. He said, that's my desire. Christian, today, what is your desire? With heads bowed and eyes closed, as the instruments begin to play, if the Lord's laid something on your heart, you come to the altar. seeking stability in your life? But Christian, you claim to have the answer. Why isn't your life displaying that?
Um, tonight, I'd love to have you come back, um, but I, tonight our, I'm going to take some time. I need to talk to uh, our adult crowd and some of our teenagers, and just, uh, I guess, just I'll talk to you for a few minutes tonight. Um, I want you to come back if you're able to, and um, we'll, we'll have our regular service, um, but I'm going to take about 10 or 15 minutes tonight and just uh, discuss something with you, but I do want you to be here tonight. Folks, praise God. This church has been here for years, and people have been saved because of it. Let's not stop doing what Christ began doing 43 years ago. There were some people who basically believed what I talked about this morning and just practiced it. And that's how we got here, fast forward. You don't ever stop doing the things that make you successful. I, I, reading Sam Walton's autobiography, that he, he, he learned some things early on that were successful and he didn't change his business model even though it got bigger. Christian, the things that God wants you to do when you're nobody are the things he wants you to do when you're somebody. If we ever forget that, we'll lose our walk with God challenge you with that. Let's make an impact and begins in my life for Christ. Let's go ahead and be dismissed today with a word of prayer. Let me get Brother Sean Schilling to pray.